welcome back to the podcast. It's your favorite co-host, Cam Stahl. Lucas, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I just have a couple uh, orders of business uh, because I'm a businessman here to start us off. I want to apologize to our uh, huge fan base for missing last week. I think Lucas and I under underestimated the um, the taxing schedule that our summer would bring, and uh, that with a combination of me being in Michigan, you being in California, we just we went right over our heads last week. Did right, yeah. We apologize, but we're back at it. We're back at it. And a quick reminder, um, we still have merch available, T-shirts, hats, stickers, the whole uh, 10-yard, whole 9 yards, as the the old saying goes. Um, and even if you don't want to wear it, just support us and burn it or something. We just need your money. Um, but seriously, uh, please, we, we love doing this and we love listeners, So, but listeners who support are even better. Right. And and remember, it, it some of it's going to charity. It's not just going in our pockets. Right, 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 right. That's a crucial thing to remember. So um, we're now here on episode two. Lucas, episode two of what? I know it's a technical episode eight, but what are we what are we in the middle of? Eight or seven. It's one of the two. Come on now. Yeah, I don't know. We are second episode of this new Overcome series, you know, talking to people who have been through some stuff and been through some trials in their life and and see how you know the the journey that they've taken to uh either overcome it or maybe in the process of overcoming it so this guest we have for episode 2 you know he's been in my life uh for my entire life he's lived down the street from me um more like family i would say but this, this episode is very different than any other episode we have done before. Uh, this one's this one's a little bit heavier. This one's a little bit... It, it's, right. it's real life stuff. And I think that so many people, especially maybe our age, want to like, you know, turn from this type of stuff. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to avoid this. We want to talk about some real life stuff. Right. We want to tackle it head on. Now another another point is you might not be going through the exact trial that our guest is going through or even our last guest but um the chances are you know someone that struggles with addiction and it could be anything gambling drugs alcohol there's a number of things you can be addicted to and I guarantee you know someone who who has struggled with this and our guest has been battling addiction and we've wanted to hear his story for some time and uh finally we have this opportunity. So if uh, our guests, our beautiful guests, would you be willing to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Cody Trudeau. And as Lucas stated earlier, I've known him his whole life. Grew up down the street from the Arcala family. I met Cam, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago? Yeah, five. Okay, five years ago. And yeah, I, uh, I'm a Valley Christian High School graduate. I, I went to Valley uh, starting in seventh grade, graduated in 2007. I've coached Lucas's football team when he was in the elementary school there and the middle school there as well. <clears throat> and like they stated earlier, I um, have struggled with uh, alcoholism and drug addiction, I'd say since 2011 when it became an issue for me. So looking forward to speaking to you guys tonight. Right, so you mentioned 2011, it it became an issue. So talk about how and when, you know, you were first exposed and maybe was it out of, 
maybe curiosity or was it more peer pressure? Just take us through kind of the those first experiences. Well, um, gosh, I could talk about this for five hours. But basically, I started as like a casual uh, weekend drinker. Didn't never really drank or partied much in high school. Um, I was a I was a th- uh, four year triathlete, and so I didn't really have much time to do that. And, and my focus was on sports. And for my uh, old teachers listening, not not academics. I was definitely all about sports, man. Football, soccer, track, and then I also did volleyball and um, golf my senior year. But um, <clears throat> that was my focus. I wanted to be bigger and better than everyone, and um, I loved everything that came with that. So after graduating, you know, all my friends had, had gone and ventured off and went to, went to uh, college where they were getting degrees. Some chose a career, career route, were getting married, having kids, buying houses, and I was still partying. Mm. Um, and as they were, you know, kind of moving on with their lives and taking the next step, I was stuck there sitting there, you know, wondering, Hey, where did all my party friends go? I guess from, from drinking to drugs, I kind of made that transformation back in 2011. I kind of switched over and started adding other substances to the mix after, um, after an accident, I was up in Santa Barbara, I was jumped, broke my jaw and and battled with some depression issues shortly after that and was introduced to um um I was introduced to cocaine and that gave me like the the old Cody back I felt you know cuz I was man so I had real bad social anxiety I was depressed I couldn't figure out why I wasn't like that same bubbly outgoing person again and and after that first time of doing cocaine I was like boom I felt like I'd arrived like there's the Cody that I knew in high school you know that people wanted to hang out with you know I do I would do that every once in a while and then I mean within six months I was doing it every day spending my whole paycheck on it and um you know I went from living I had a nice apartment in Belmont Shores I was engaged at the time I worked as a superintendent at the Port of Long Beach my life was looking pretty good and um within a week December of 2014 um shortly after my grandma had passed away I got my first DUI lost my job at the port my fiance left me and, and uh two weeks lo- later i was uh i admitted myself into my first drug and alcohol rehab that was january 3rd 2015 mm. so you talked a little bit about the the timeline of it and um you know when you were first introduced when it became more of an issue was there a moment where you recognize like was there a specific moment where you recognize it to be an addiction or when did you accept that can you tell us about that? Yeah, the first time I, I started to realize it might have been an issue was um, I was at a friend of mine's wedding. The first people to really call me out were Chad Hoffines and his dad, Jim Hoffines, pulled me outside and, and they were both in tears talking to me about me, you know, thinking I might have an issue. And I was crying and I'm like, wow, maybe there is something going on, you know, and because I was wondering why I was slowly like not getting invited to weddings and birthday parties and functions. Um, you know, people just didn't want me there. I mean, not, not only did they n- not know if I would show up, um, cause I didn't show up to a lot of things. And if I did, it was, um, I was a mess, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until that, that moment I thought I was, I thought I was hiding it so well, you know, and, and, um, but everyone else around me knew what was going on, you know, and, and, and I was the last one to know, you know, so I'd say that's, that's when, I started raw as an issue and then and then shortly after um 
you know, when I was living on my own, my dad had gotten my, um, my pay stubs for my taxes. And, and, and he realized how much money I was making a year. And he asked me, how come, how come I've been paying your rent the last six months? I see how much money you made last year, you know? And so then they, st- my mom and dad started to kind of put the pieces together and realized maybe there's more than just drinking involved. In the beginning, you touched on this too, but if you want to a little more, right when you started using, what was your mental and emotional state looking like? Um, I was broken at the time. Like I said, you know, as I was, you know, I feel like after high school, I didn't really have an identity. You know, I was, I was this athlete, um, you know, singing in choir and, and, uh, you know, after I graduated high school, I I was very lost. You know, who am I now? People, like I said, everyone in my group was, was getting married and having kids and buying homes and, and, uh. And, you know, I'm a Long Beach City College dropout, and uh, I just couldn't figure it out. And um, and then after that time getting jumped up there in Santa Barbara, it's just I was I was at a really low point. So, yeah, j- j- drugs and alcohol kind of, I felt like, you know, was my crutch through that moment. Also, I want to add in there, too, that I was completely disconnected from church, from God. So that was like, that was like, it, that was my thing, man. It was like something I, I fell in love and became obsessed with, you know, when, when's the next time I could get, get this stuff, you know, cause I, I liked how it made me feel. You said 2014, you mentioned 2011, 2014. When along this journey did you decide you need to be treated? Um, probably there, you know, shortly after that week I talked about December of 2014, I uh-huh. was, um, I was laying on my floor in my apartment. My ex-fiance stuff was gone and packed up and out of the out of the place and my stuff was kind of thrown throughout the hallway and I had probably been on a 7-day bender and was uh not doing well and I was I was uh I think I was I I was crawling on my on my hands and knees to the toilet to throw up again. And in that moment I picked my phone up. I called my mom and I was in tears and I and I and I asked for help. I said, you know, I need help. And um, my mom and dad let me detox, and they're at their house for for you know it was a Saturday, so they let me sleep there Saturday, Sunday night, and then on on Monday they dropped me off at a at a uh, rehab facility in in uh, Dana Point, California, and that's kind of where my journey began. You know, as far as getting back on my feet. Yeah. So speaking of getting back on your feet, were there certain methods slash strategies to your treatment that were more effective than others uh definitely taking it one day at a time you know and and uh taking it easy on myself because i'm i'm a perfectionist and <clears throat> i didn't i didn't and have not stayed sober since january 3rd 2015 you know that was my first sobriety date uh, i wish i could say it was my last but but it but it just hasn't it's it, that's not my story so but yeah, taking it one day at a time, getting involved. I, I, I do a 12-step program. I attend church regularly, and I have a little motto I like to live by, uh, trust God, clean house, and help others. That seems to, if I if I use that in my everyday life, things just kind of kind of go a little, run a little smooth, more smooth. Right, so I think there's there's a huge misconception with people who are on the outside looking in, thinking that man, if, if you want to get treated and then get treated and if this if these people want to make a change then they can make a change and, and just do it. But it's it's obviously not that easy and and this is a it's a chronic disease and, and so many people are struggling with it and if it was so easy then, you know, we would see we wouldn't see 
you know, these long journeys, these relapses and these ups and downs. So talk about that, that internal battle of, of how difficult it is to treat an addiction when obviously you want to 100%, you know, overcome this. So talk about that, that battle that maybe others wouldn't understand. <clears throat> that's a great question. And that's, that's been something that uh, has also been hard on me, you know, because growing up, you know, if I, 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 I'd set my mind to, you know, I'm going to be an excellent football player. Um, I'm going to be a good singer. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a good soccer player or I'm going to take that girl to winter formal. You know, and it seemed it seemed like whatever I put my mind to, I did pretty well at with sports and stuff like that growing up. So when I came into trying to sober up and and that first relapse was devastating, like, man, I've why am I why am I failing at this? You know, like I don't want to disappoint my family. I don't like letting people down. Um, I don't like not getting invited places and, you know, and so it was, it was really hard for me to, to, to grasp it and to understand, you know, what, why, why am I struggling so bad? Why can't I just not drink or, or use that substance, you know, and I see other people taking, taking significant amount of, of, of time, you know, getting one year, two year, three year, four, five, 10, 20 years sober and, um, you know, for the first year and a half, year and a half, I was having a hard time putting 90 days together. And so, so once I kind of just <clears throat> kicked back and like, like Lucas just said, you know, it's a journey and not everyone's stories at the same or not everyone recovers at the same pace. And, you know, and, and, and really taking it easy on myself it has made it, has made it easier, you know, but yeah, failing is that's, that's like something I'm not good at, you know, um, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people are good at, but you know, you, you feel like you build up, right? And you start gaining trust back. You're, you're planning trips and people are loving the new Cody. And then boom, you pull, you, you know, you pull the rug out from underneath and there you are again, sitting drunk in your car in a, in a parking lot. Like what, how, and why did I get here? Yeah. And I think that perfectly segues into the next question. And, you know, you talk about relapsing and, and these failures, but you talk about, you know, the devastation and the anger and it, it is common, you know, for for relapses. And again, it's part of the journey. So how do you how do you view those um, those relapses now? How, how have you learned to um, to take a step back and look at those? Is it is it just part of the process? Is it a failure? Talk about that. Yeah, to me, it's it's um, it, it's an acceptance thing now. You know, I, I like people that I look up to that that have um succeeded before me in, in, in overcoming their, their alcoholism and their drug addiction. You know, I got to remind myself that, that just cause my sobriety date may change doesn't mean the things I've learned prior to that go away, you know, and e- each time I've learned, learned a new bit about myself or, um, you know, dealing with different, different issues. Right. Cause so, so that's the other mis mis uh, conception I feel like with, with drug addiction, alcoholism is, is, yeah, I drink because I like to drink, you know, and I like the I like the effect produced by alcohol, but but I drank till drinking was my um, was my solution to my problems, right? Underlining depression, anxiety, social anxiety, fear, you know, maybe a little bit of PTSD or whatever from that accident, whatever you want to call it. But I drank to escape those feelings, and and so once once you take the drink away, I still have all that stuff. I'm still an anxious person person. I still struggle with depression, not feeling good enough, right? So, 
so taking the you know there's an old there's an old saying you know you could you could take the alcohol away from a drunken horse thief and he's still a horse thief so how do i fix that part right so so okay cool cool i've quit drinking now what you know now i gotta start working out taking care of the physical um going to going to church um taking care of the, the spiritual right and then the emotional whatever it may be working out taking walks tuning into podcasts like this or whatever whatever it may be so eliminating the alcohol was just the first step to, to solving the issue okay so you get into some legal issues and you end up spending some time in jail yeah what cody what did a day look like in jail for you um yeah so back in 2016 i'd gotten my second dui i had to actually do 90 days in orange county main jail but but a typical day what that looks like is um is is oh man it Picture a picture a dog in a kennel with a plate of fake meat on in between two slices of wheat bread. It wasn't fun, you know. But I went in there with, with the mindset of, of of God's got me this far. He's going to get me through these next ninety days. I brought my Bible and I brought brought another book that I read on a daily basis in there, and and um, I studied those two books, and I and, you know I was able to keep my my nose clean in there and stay out of the the violence that that happens on a daily basis, and um. You know, I did a lot of push-ups, did a lot of reading, watched a lot of Ellen and Steve Harvey, and those 90 days kind of went by quicker than I thought they would. Well, I'm, I'm glad they did. Now, another question I have, do you have any stories you want to share from there? Funny, scary, sad, whatever you want to share. Is there anything? One, one sad story was, was when my, uh, my mother and her mother, my grandmother, had to come see me on Mother's Day behind a glass window. You know, I was in my orange jumpsuit. Um, that was heartbreaking. See, you know, seeing the effect that I was having on my on my family. You know, here my mom and grandma were on Mother's Day driving up to talk. You know, driving down to Santa Ana from Long Beach to talk to me for 15 minutes through 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 a window. Um, that was one of those moments. You know, I've had a lot of these small moments like that throughout throughout the last six years or so, where it's just like. Wow, you know, because when you're drinking and using, you think you're only hurting yourself, but there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that, you know, are somewhat affected indirectly or directly affected by my choices, you know, and, and, and that was a real slap to the face, like wake up, you know, see what you're doing. And then, and then, and then, a, and then a good story I like to share about my time in jail was, so I was a worker in there and, um, I was, I was a janitor and, uh, one, one of the officers, um, him and I kind of were able to not form a relationship because they're not really allowed to, but, but I could tell the guy knew deep down inside what kind of person I was. And, um, I ran into him a few years ago at a donut shop. I was eating a donut and he walked in and we made eye contact. I'm like, and I got a little like fuzzy, like, Oh man, I wonder if he recognizes me. And as he was walking out, he says, I know you. I said, yeah, I was. I was in OC Maine back in 2016. He goes, wow. He goes, you look amazing. I said, yeah, I've sobered up and told him a little bit about what's going on. And he sat there and he talked for me for 20 minutes and, uh, and he shook my hand and said, and said, God bless you. Take care. Um, and that was, that was powerful, you know? Um, cause when you're, when you're inside jail, they don't, they're not allowed to really treat you like, 
they they can on the outside and like so to see him interact with me like that after after the position I was in was was pretty special that's awesome yeah and you talk about the wake up call so how did how did that those 90 days affect the battle as a whole it just really to me it kind of put into perspective my life and the direction I was heading I always knew that I was that something like that was going to happen and was almost praying for it you know like Okay, God, I'm gonna keep rocking and rolling like this until you, uh, until you shut it down. And I remember my second DUI was involved in a car accident at Mission Viejo, and I remember I, I woke up on the gurney getting getting a CAT scan, and I remember waking up handcuffed to the gurney with four cops standing at my feet, and just thinking, "Holy cow! Like, where and what happened to the Cody? I know that's that's deep inside me somewhere, you know." And I just, I was like, this is, this just can't be, you know? And, and I remember they, they wheeled me out into the hallway. One of the nurses had seen my, I had a 90, 90 day key tag um, uh, on my, hanging on my keys, you know, 90 days sober on my keys. And she came over and saw it and she had a friend that was in recovery, a family friend. So she sat there on my bedside and prayed with me. And um, that was another little moment, you know, where I felt like, you know, God was showing up to to guide me through this and, and get me back on my feet because there's been moments there where I was like I'm not going to make it out of this you know I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to die somehow drinking or drugging whether it be due due to the substances I'm using or or a car wreck or or something worse you know I didn't I didn't think I was going to make it out and um times like that kind of like propelled me and gave me that extra push like you know no you're not done yet yeah that's powerful so about a year and a half ago, you have a beautiful baby girl. We all love her. Her name is London, and she's very cute. Oh, she's and the cutest. Yeah, if you want to see her, check out my Cody's Instagram. Um, she's all over social media always. But first of all, just what is it like to be a dad? Is it everything you expected it to be? Just talk about that. Yes, being a father has been uh, the biggest blessing so far in my life. And I was uh, able to be there on her, you know, the day she was born. And um, man, that day was life changing, you know, seeing her come out and being able to cut the umbilical cord and and hold her um, was like, wow, you know, uh, someone like me doesn't doesn't get chances like that. And if I wasn't sober, I would have missed that, you know, and that's that's the stuff I remind myself all the time. You know what a blessing life is and, and. you know, and all the bad and, 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 and traumatic stuff I've been through and have put my friends and family through, like, you know, I, I have this little blessing in my life now where I, I get to look at on a daily basis and think, holy cow, you know, if I didn't get sober, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be able to change her diaper, or take her swimming, take her on a walk, you know? And, and, um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's been awesome. And also growing up, you know, living on this street again, having all the help from the neighbors and family and, uh, my sisters uh, has been a huge help. I don't know what do they say. It takes a it takes a village to raise a kid, and, and there's like I don't know, thirty people on a daily basis doing something, helping me with something with my daughter. <laughs> London comes along, and she's she's just a, a great blessing in your life. Was there any uncertainty and fear that came along with a new baby and being a single dad, and and how have these things changed your life? Yeah. So being a single dad, yeah, that was, you know, um, it, 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 
it's not ideal, you know, and it's not like growing up in a Christian home and going through a Christian school and, and, and having this kind of like philosophy of, of, you know, you, you grow up and you get married, you buy a house and you have a kid. I didn't follow that pattern, you know, not one bit. Uh, so yeah, so what, I guess after getting over like the initial, uh, what am I going to say? How are people going to perceive this? And kind of just accepting it for, for it is what it is. Um, I'm fine. You know, I'm okay. And, and, and my daughter's going to be loved and cared for the best way she possibly can, you know, and whether it be with, with me single or, or, you know, wh- whatever the case may be. It's not like there's any lack of love at, at the Trudeau house for, for London. But yeah, I struggled with that, you know, and it's still something every once in a while I'll be like, man, I, it, it sure would be a lot easier if, if there was a mom and dad in, in, in the home and, 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 and whatnot. But, um, you know, I can't control it. I'm not in charge. I just, you know, it's, it's in God's hands and, and, uh, whatever happens happens. But yeah, I've definitely, I've, I've gone back and forth on that one a lot. Was there anything or anyone that you leaned on the most? You mentioned family takes a village to raise a child and you've talked about God a lot other than those things. Is there anything else you've leaned on? Yeah. My sister Sierra, um, Mm. has been amazing. You know, she calls London her kid. (laughs) And, uh, at times, you know, I, it, 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 she is, you know, Sierra without Sierra, I don't know where I'd be, you know, uh, man, she has stepped up in a huge way when, when I can't, or, you know, just being there and, and, and taking London in is like, she's her own kid. I know she's her niece and she's blood, but Sierra stepped up in a huge way. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever be able to repay her or thank her enough for what she's done. All right, Cody. Now kind of some overarching final questions. What are your biggest motivators for overcoming this, this entire addiction? So I firmly believe that there's never really a stage where you overcome it or you beat it. You know, I was at a, uh, I was at a meeting one night and a guy had passed away sober. He had 47 years. And, and one of the guys was talking about him said, said he got it. You know, he won, he won the battle. He, he was able to, to die sober. Um, and at that point I feel like that's when you get it, you know, cause if, if I, if I sit back right now and say, I got this, I don't know where I'll be tomorrow night, you know. I don't know where I'll end up. So, so I don't ever tell myself I've got this or I've overcome it, you know. And, and I'm grateful that I do have this because it's given me a, a new design and new way of living life on a daily basis, you know. But the second I start getting too cocky is 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 when stuff starts falling back downhill. So, so in an in an unfortunate you know situation like this, I think it's very important to like reflect on on maybe you know, some of the good that's come out of it. So what's the most important thing that you have learned uh, in this entire process? That life is short and it's not to be taken for granted. I've had a lot of friends uh, pass away, um, whether it be to suicide or, or a drug-related um, overdose or, or, or car accident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've lost countless amount of people, and, and most recently, uh, my friend Randy Silva, and, and and then a few months prior to that, my friend Joey Urbanski, uh, two really close friends of mine, you know, 25 and 23 years old. Yeah, it's just devastating, you know. So, but I think I think like for for me having 
being in a position I'm in where, where I'm still here and, and, and having the, the opportunity to, to help other people kind of motivates me and keeps me going, you know, and I've learned that like sometimes failure is, 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 uh, is part of the journey as well. You know, it's not always, it's not always going to be, uh, rainbows and unicorns, you know, so sometimes having these obstacles like this can, can almost make you stronger, you know, so I feel grateful and, and, and blessed that I've gone through what I've gone through. Because in return, it help, allows me to to help people that aren't that may be struggling. And one thing I wanted to touch on, Cam said at the beginning, is is you might not be directly going through it, but you might know someone that is. And um, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but it's it's out there. You know, like there's a lot of people. Hopefully, someone listening knows, you know, hears this, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we gotta maybe we could reach out to them." So. And just like last week, we want to end with this final question, uh, just in case there's someone out there who's who's going through the same thing. But um, if you could give one piece of advice for someone struggling with addiction, what would it be? Be nice to yourself. Forgive yourself. Take it easy and uh, don't give up. That was more than one piece of advice. But <laughs> um, yeah, just be nice to yourself, you know. Um, Stop beating yourself up. It's it's you know it's it's going to be okay. All right, uh, Cody. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, am very fortunate to have met you. You're one of my favorite people, and you. I will stand by this to anyone who asks me. The funniest person I know. There's no debate there. I uh, will admit I model some of my own humor after yours. Uh, Got to give credit where credit is due. You mentioned the push-ups in prison. You've got one of the most massive builds I've seen. But, yeah, no, thanks so much for doing this and being willing to share that because it's not easy to relive and talk about um, and open up about, yeah. and I and we recognize that. So thank you, and, uh, man, you're, you're awesome. Lucas, anything? Thank you very we, much. Before we sign this off? Yeah, no, this, this, was a, this was a good one. I'm glad we got to hear the story. And we appreciate, you know, the vulnerability and the transparency that, that it took. I guess that, that wraps this one up, Cam. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you sometime in the next couple of weeks.